Hello, this is Father Neil here and welcome to the October 7th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we're going to look at numbers 2309 through 2317 of the Catechism. 2309. The strict conditions for legitimate defence by military force requires rigorous consideration. The gravity of such a decision makes it subject to rigorous considerations of moral legitimacy. At one and the same time, the damage inflicted by the aggressor on the nation or community of nations must be lasting, grave and certain. All other means of putting an end to it must have been shown to be impractical or ineffective. There must be serious prospects of success. The use of arms must not produce evil and disorders graver than the evil to be eliminated. The power of modern means of destruction weighs very heavily in evaluating this condition. These are the traditional elements enumerated in what is called the just war doctrine. The evaluation of these conditions for moral legitimacy belongs to the prudential judgment of those who have responsibility for the common good. 23.10. Public authorities, in this case, have the right and the duty to impose on citizens the obligations necessary for national defence. Those who are sworn to serve their country in the armed forces are servants of the security and freedom of nations. If they carry out their duty honourably and they truly contribute to the good, common good of the nation and maintenance of peace. 23.11 Public authorities should make equitable provisions for those who, for reasons of conscience, refuse to bear arms. They are nonetheless obliged to serve the human community in some other way. 23.12 The Church and Human Reason both assert the permanent validity of the moral law during armed conflict. The mere fact that war has regrettably broken out does not mean that everything becomes licit between the warring parties. 23.13 Non-combatants, wounded soldiers and prisoners must be respected and treated humanely. Actions deliberately contrary to the law of nations and to its universal principles are crimes, as are the orders that command such actions. Blind obedience does not suffice to excuse those who carry them out. Thus, the extermination of a people, nation or ethnic minority must be considered as a mortal sin. One is morally bound to resist orders that command genocide. 23.14 Every act of war directed to the indiscriminate destruction of whole cities or vast areas with their inhabitants is a crime against God and man which merits firm and unequivocal condemnation. A danger of modern warfare is that it provides the opportunity to those who possess modern scientific weapons, especially atomic, biological or chemical weapons, to commit such crimes. 23.15 The accumulation of arms strikes many as a paradoxically suitable way of deterring potential adversaries from war. They see it as the most effective means of ensuring peace among nations. This method of deterrence gives rise to strong moral reservations. The arms race does not ensure peace. Far from eliminating the causes of war, it risks aggravating them. Spending enormous sums to produce ever new types of weapons impedes efforts to aid 
needy populations. It thwarts the development of people, over-armament, multiplies reasons for conflict and increases the danger of escalation. 2316. The productions and sales of arms affects the common good of nations and of the international community, hence public authorities have the right and duty to regulate them. The short-term pursuit of private or collective interests cannot legitimately undertake undertaking, undertakings that promote violence and conflict among nations and compromise the international juridical order. 2317. Injustice, excessive economic or social inequalities, envy, distrust and pride, raging among men and nations, constantly threatens peace and cause wars. Everything done to overcome these disorders contributes to the building up of peace and the avoiding of war. Insofar as men are sinners, the threat of war hangs over them, and will so continue until Christ comes again. But insofar as they can vanquish sin by coming together in charity, violence itself will be vanquished, and these words words will be fulfilled. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Okay, so here we finish the fifth commandment and um, this whole, uh, looking at this whole area of war. And uh, again, there are some very important principles here. As with all of these principles, we need to look to other teachings of the church to, to have a deeper um, appreciation of them, of the nuances, of the explanations behind them a bit more. But here it's a very comprehensive, um, it's a very comprehensive teaching on war. That war, at certain times, what is called a just war, which is basically a war of defence, is morally legitimate. Self-defence, as we've seen before, is morally legitimate. And a society, just as a person, a society can defend itself if every other avenue has been exhausted beforehand. So it's no good to go to war saying it's self-defense, but you haven't even tried to make a treaty or talk with your enemy. So the idea is to try every other means to make peace. And if that doesn't work, then war is allowed. But here it talks about what war is. And it says some very interesting things. Uh, so first of all, it's not that everything is okay in war. All is fair in love and war, they say, but this isn't the teaching of the church. The teaching of the church is that even if you are at war with somebody, there are still limits. It's not that you, you know, that you have to respect the rights of prisoners, the rights of non-combatants. You have to do things proportionately. And so this is important. And then it goes uh, also to say that there is, uh, that while the civil authorities, legitimate civil authorities, will regulate the need to go to war, it's not in a sense that the church gives people permission or gives people uh, a pass or a, a license to go to war. Uh, this is something for governments, legitimate governments to decide. But that within this, uh, a soldier can't be obliged to, um, to go against his conscience. And so the church allows for people who are conscientious objectors. It doesn't say that Catholics must be conscientious objectors. Catholics can serve in the military, can serve in the armed forces. But if we have conscientious objectors, the church says that these should be respected. Yes, given other work to do to help in the time of war, to, to work as medics or to work as orderlies or whatever. 
but we can't force somebody to go to the battlefront, is what the Catechism is saying, is if it's against their conscience. Also, uh, certain things a soldier can't do. Just because you're commanded to do something doesn't mean that you have to do it, at least in terms of Catholic morality. And so if a soldier is commanded to participate in genocide, in the killing of a whole people, the extermination of a people, then that soldier has the duty to say no, the duty to not fulfil these commandments, which could be a duty to martyrdom if they're a believing Christian. It could mean their death, but that they have to do this. They cannot... Um, they can't kill people indiscriminately. There has to be, uh, in war, if unfortunately there is killing, it has to be proportionate and it has to be of combatants, not of non-combatants. And then also the Catechism speaks against the arms race and uh, saying that, no, it's not simply that we build up uh, every year a bigger supply of uh, of nuclear weapons, nuclear warheads, to frighten away our enemies, but that we need to see how we can um, we can do things more intelligently, avoiding as much as possible this, and using our money or using our resources for other necessary projects to benefit humanity. So very well, so we have this section here that we're finishing. So as with all the fe- sections that finish, there's an in brief uh, at the end of it. So in brief, 2318. In God's hand, the life of everything, every living thing, and the breath of all mankind. 23.19 Every human life from the moment of conception until death is sacred because the human person has been willed for its own sake in the image and the likeness of the living and holy God. 23.20 The murder of a human being is gravely contrary to the dignity of the person and the holiness of the Creator. 23.21 The prohibition of murder does not abrogate the right to render an unjust aggressor unable to inflict harm. Legitimate defence is a grave duty for whoever is responsible for the lives of others or the common good. 23.22 From its conception, the child has a right to life. Direct abortion, that is abortion willed as an end or as a means, is a criminal practice, gravely contrary to moral law. The Church imposes canonical penalty of excommunication, for this crime against human life. 23.23 Because it should be treated as a person from conception, the embryo must be defended in its integrity, cared for and healed like every other human being. 23.24 Intentional euthanasia, whether its forms or whatever its forms or motives, is murder. It is gravely contrary to the dignity of the human person and the respect due to the living God, his creator. 23.25 Suicide is seriously contrary to justice, hope and charity. It is forbidden by the fifth commandment. 23.26 Scandal is a grave offence when by deed or omission it deliberately leads others to sin gravely. 23.27 Because of the evils and injustices that all war brings with it, we must do everything reasonably possible to avoid it. The church praise from famine, pestilence and war, O Lord deliver us. 23.28 The church and human reason assert the permanent validity of the moral law during armed conflicts, practices deliberately contrary to the law of nations and and to its universal principles are crimes. 23.29 The arms race is one of the greatest curses on the human race 
and the harm it inflicts on the poor is more than can be endured. 23.30 Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Very well, we finish here. And tomorrow we'll look at Numbers 23, 31 through 23, 36. God bless.